Welcome to the Everything Podcast, the place for everything education. Whether you're a first-year teacher or a seasoned educator, our mission is to help you employ smart strategies in and out of the classroom. We firmly believe that teacher burnout isn't inevitable. Part inspiration and part implementation, we discuss the why and how to make your classroom effective and sustainable. We're your hosts, Danielle and Nicole. You're listening to the Everything Podcast, podcast episode 18. Hey, Danielle. Hey, Nicole. How's everything going? Things are going well in the middle of midterms week, as you are well aware. So Very well aware. Along. And if you have been teaching since the beginning of the school year in the United States, you've been teaching since September, you have probably encountered the thing that we are going to talk about today if you've made it all the way to midterm season. I know I have. (laughs) The topic that we're discussing today is how to teach effectively when the thing that you're teaching is just not your thing. Yes. So how can you put together an effective lesson even when you hate the topic that you have to do that lesson on? Yeah. Danielle, does this ring any bells for you? Oh, yes. Very recently, in fact. Um, Although I am a lover of literature through and through, Sometimes I just don't like the particular text that we're supposed to be teaching. And the one that comes to my mind, which is most fresh in my memory, is The Odyssey, which I don't mind. I actually like The Odyssey. I just don't like the way that we have to do The Odyssey. But we'll get more into that later. (laughs) That sounds great. So just to clarify what we're talking about when we say that we hate the topic, we are not talking about disliking the subject area itself. So Danielle and I are both passionate high school teachers, and this is not a commentary on our subject areas or even teaching. Right. We are not going to talk about how to fall back in love with what you decided to get your degree in. We're not talking about uh, classroom management, things like that today. We are simply talking about that unit that when you see it coming up in the book, You are so not excited to lesson plan. You don't want to go to school. You are filled with an overwhelming sense of dread about this topic. (laughs) I think so often we hear the term burnout associated with teaching. And we are not discussing that today. We're not talking about the ways that teachers, like you said, Danielle, falling back in love with what we're doing. Not at all. But it's it's that feeling that you mentioned. So... Our job today is to try and identify why you might be feeling this way. Absolutely. And we don't have to convince you that you will have to encounter this at some point. You probably already know, even if you haven't quite thought of it in these terms, which chapter in the book or which part of your curriculum map brings about these types of feelings for you. So true. And the main goal here, no matter what it is that we're discussing, our main goal is to make sure that our students don't feel this. The last thing we want is for our students to feel the negativity that you're displaying in your presentation of the material and your assessment of the material and the way that you talk about it. You have to really be aware of how this might come across to students. And I think that sometimes it's easy to let that kind of slip out. Yeah, I think that sometimes we don't give our students enough credit that we don't realize just how perceptive they are. If you are coming in every day and you act one way and then all of a sudden chapter four comes up in your book and it is something you have not been looking forward to, the students can immediately sense that if you have not put certain measures in place 
to prevent them from picking up on those feelings. Um, so we want to make sure that the students kind of don't reflect that negativity back to you because that could create some classroom management issues. And we also want to make sure that you're not just skipping that thing, that unit in your book that you don't like, or that part of the curriculum map, because that causes real problems too. Agreed. So before we do our best to talk about solutions for this type of feeling or the attitude that you may have, we're going to identify the five major reasons that you may be feeling this way. That's the first major step in really making sure that this isn't an issue in your classroom. And a lot of it has to do with mindset, but Really what we're going for here is before you create a lesson plan, before you get in front of your students, you need to identify where this source of stress, of discouragement is coming from on your end. As soon as you figure out why you're feeling that sense of apprehension, you can better address that issue before walking into the classroom. All of these steps would be taken well before you ever set foot into your classroom prepared with the lesson in hand. So let's start it out with our first potential reason. Number one, you don't feel like you know the material. So this is, again, not a commentary on you as a teacher and the way that you are working in your classroom as a whole. This is something that in this particular section, you just don't feel like you know the material. I know I've been there and it's something that I really do have to pinpoint. Well, what is the reason that I'm feeling this sense of dread about this Mm -hmm. section? And maybe I just haven't had experience teaching it before. So in order to address it, you need to give yourself permission not to know everything. I think that that's a big first step, especially when we talk about some of our new educators or even people that are new to a particular, teaching a particular section, grade level, whatever that might be. You're not going to know everything and that's okay. Giving yourself the permission to just take a step back. Maybe you need to reteach yourself. Maybe you need to have a conversation with someone about how to best go about teaching this particular thing. Take the stress away and address where this is coming from. And it might not be the material in general. It might be something specific about the material. As someone who is teaching literature from all around the world, sometimes I know I encounter names that might not be so familiar or might not be so intuitive about how to pronounce them. And just things like that, just giving myself a little bit of background to make sure that I know exactly how that was intended to be pronounced in its native language. That way we're all using the correct pronunciation of that character's name, something like that might be what you need to give yourself a little bit of the confidence boost in order to make sure that you feel good talking about this in front of the class. Um, It also might just be something that you do know, but you haven't done in a really long time. On On the flip side, of having no experience with teaching the topic, maybe you haven't taught that particular work or maybe you haven't read that particular work in over a decade. Which leads us to our second potential reason for this feeling of anxiety. You don't like how the topic is presented. Mm -hmm. So the ways that we can address this, maybe you have some leverage here. Maybe you have some room to present the material in a different way. And I mentioned before, having a meaningful conversation with someone who perhaps has taught this before or who's familiar with this type of material, I think it can be really helpful, especially if that's your source of anxiety where you just, you don't like how it's presented and maybe you're new to it or you haven't done it in a long time. Getting that sense of how can I present this in a way that is more appealing, in my opinion, to the students and will help this material be accessed in a different way. Yeah, I know that for me, this is the exact sense of dread that I was feeling regarding teaching the Odyssey. It's in our textbook, it's on our curriculum that we have to teach it, but it's a really, really short excerpt 
from the Odyssey, if you consider that the text is in so many ways about suffering and endurance, it just doesn't seem like you can truly get to that same message in 20 pages. As a result, and I've actually had a few students tell me that they've done the Odyssey before in other classes, and they're like, they left a lot of stuff out. I feel like it wasn't as good this time. And I think that that's perfectly okay, because I think that that means students were really kind of comprehending the text on a great level. Uh, But it also kind of put more pressure on me because I wanted to make sure that they had that same background information about these really, really important themes that they might not be getting from the book. So I felt like I had to do a little bit more of the content creation. I had to be a little bit more responsible for how the topic is presented than letting the book kind of like take over. And did you add on to that? Uh, Yeah. And that actually brings us to a few of the topics that we're going to be talking about next. I really encourage anybody who is feeling like they don't like how something is being presented to maybe pair it with something that you do like more that the students will like more or that you feel is maybe a little bit more appropriate for either where the students are coming from or what their needs are so true that brings us like you said to our third potential reason and that is you don't feel like it's something that students need at this time Mm -hmm. i know i've been there with a lot of the vocabulary and grammar that's presented and the different levels of the language Mm -hmm. and it's a challenge because There are a lot of things that are necessary, building blocks and moving through acquiring a language. But sometimes the things that our curriculum presents to us just are a little bit unnecessary. So I find that by pairing it with something that students will better connect to or will actually jog their memory and get Mm -hmm. them to connect it back to something that we've learned before and see the connection and maybe even use that as sort of the reason and understanding of why this thing might be important now. I think it adds that level of understanding that otherwise they wouldn't get. Yeah, absolutely. For me, with where we are in the school year, because I wasn't super thrilled with the way that the Odyssey is shown in our text, and I knew that we were having the midterm coming up, and I knew that poetry makes up a pretty sizable chunk of the midterm, and it's something that the students haven't dealt with in a long time, I assigned a project that used components from the Odyssey in creating their own original poem that utilized literary devices and poetic devices that I gave them in the midterm review. So that way we're kind of like pairing things that may not have necessarily gone together, um, but they do in this instance. And it made the students kind of realize, oh, this is something that I need to do right now because if I know this stuff, I'll know the information from the Odyssey that's going to be on the midterm. I'll know the poetic devices that'll be on the midterm. And it's just kind of giving them more of a sense of relevancy. I love that. Did you point that to the students? Hey, we're doing this for a reason. (laughs) I, I actually, when I gave them the project description, it had both of the reasons outlined for how it would behoove them to take the project really seriously because it will be so helpful for them in their preparations for the midterm. And I've got to tell you, their poems were really good. (laughs) I, I have been reading them all this past week and I cannot wait to display a number of them because they were particularly impressive. Nice. And And I let them talk about characters that we didn't get to see as much. So even though in our book, it kind of felt like a summary, when the students kind of took ownership of it, 
I was like, oh, they're getting it. They understand the point of these characters because they were able to assume that character's voice, things like that. So I, I felt like they were able to fill in the blanks and that made me really happy. <laughs> I'm sure that level of creativity, they appreciate it as well. It was also kind of a nice break from what I think is often the standard midterm prep, which is memorize this, memorize this, memorize this. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of connecting with our students and making things relevant for them, that leads us to our fourth reason. You know that it's a topic that students will not like. I felt this way. I mm-hmm. I felt it this year. I felt it in previous years. And yeah, when there are certain topics where I know my high school girls and boys will just not connect with, I do a lot to make sure that I combat this early on because mm-hmm. I know it's coming. Yeah. And with that, I try my best to show students the material in a way that matters to them. And I think mm-hmm. that goes back to what a lot of our conversations go back to, trusting students and getting to know them and knowing what matters to them. So if you are aware and understanding of your community, then how can you use that to your advantage? And it might not necessarily be something that the students will suddenly love and they're going to go home and talk about it over dinner with their parents. But even something as simple as a grammar unit, which they probably are not super excited about studying something like I don't know, parallel structure, um, but it's it's important. And just explaining to them that this is the kind of thing that shows up on the SAT or the ACT. I know that when I was doing one of my last grammar units and we were doing commas, for example, and we were talking about why, why do commas even matter? I brought in images of a magazine article that, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, it had featured Rachel Ray and she's on the cover. And because of the way that the cover was punctuated, it made it sound like she cooks her family and her dog. <laughs> and the students who- That feels like a BuzzFeed article. <laughs> it, it probably was, maybe that's how I encountered it at first. Uh, but it was the kind of thing where when I told them, you know, just from experience, like it's important to make sure that we're using good grammar because if you write an email to your boss someday and you're not using good grammar, it would be personally embarrassing. And then I can show them a real world example of how this could be personally embarrassing on a much larger scale. You have a little bit more credibility and they're like, oh, okay, I'll do this, this comma lesson now. I, I guess it, it matters. That's awesome. I bet they appreciated that. I think that... We are at the bottom of our list. I think we're at reason number five for why you might be putting off or dreading teaching a particular unit or topic in your book. And that's because it seems like it is a controversial topic or a loaded topic. I've dealt with this this year in particular. I've actually avoided teaching something for the past couple of years discussing immigration in the U.S. and Although the topic itself isn't optional, the way that I chose to present it this year, I did decide to take a different approach. And I really did have to pinpoint where my feelings of anxiety were about this. You know, it's not always easy to step back and recognize why you might be feeling, I I don't really want to teach this. I'm going to move quickly through this. Yep. But it's an important conversation to have with yourself. And I'm glad that I did. I am a high school Spanish teacher. I'm a language learner. And for me, discussing immigration and particularly illegal immigration in the U.S. is not something that I'm very comfortable discussing. I don't have a lot of the same experiences that a lot of my students, unfortunately, have had in their lives. And 
it's just something that you know, I know my privilege and it's difficult to sit down with my students and try and have a, a lesson on this. Mm-hmm. And with that, I try my best to frame it in a way that makes students understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And also I recognize my role in teaching and presenting this information. And it's super important not to have a particular opinion about it or a position. It's mm-hmm. something that you present it to students as this is an educational discussion. And I let the articles, the short videos, the music videos, the poems speak for themselves. Yeah. And I think that if you are dealing with anything that could be, you know, politically tinged in some way, that's a really smart way to approach it. Because I know that students will frequently ask about my political affiliation and belief. Oh, yeah. Um, when it's not an election season, it doesn't happen as frequently. But I know that at certain times of the year, or during certain years in particular, students will come in and just like straight up ask things. And I always ask them, I try to turn the question around and ask them what they think. Because I think often they just want to kind of parrot whatever you have said. And I think that this is a really nice way of putting the onus back on them, but in a really kind of empowering way. Um, Can you explain uh, what your students did with the immigration topic, like in class? Yeah. So the idea was that it was all about volunteering and service opportunities in your community. Mm -hmm. So the vocabulary was all about that. And the grammar was about commands and asking and join, you know, soliciting people to help you. So with that, um, I started off class with a couple of different images. I had some uh, signs of different marches and students Mm -hmm. did their best to understand what was going on in the photo, what was being expressed in the sign and some kind of emotional takeaway. What was the, the general feeling in the image? And then after that, you know, again, I'm not commenting. You're right. Yes. No, right. That's the feeling. Yeah. Instead, it's a it's a conversation about well, what's happening here? What's the evidence showing? Mm-hmm. And then from there, I showed two different videos, and one was a Mexican news anchor who was talking about the status of of their government and what's happening. And then the other one was a news anchor located in San Diego, and I sort of did like both sides, you know, who's feeling mm-hmm. what, and I had them use that textual evidence and work through what was being set on on either side, which I think, again, is giving them that indication that both of which are relevant and important and what's been Mm -hmm. the the major takeaway. And the students commented on how in the U.S. there was so many more statistics being thrown around, whereas in Mexico, it was a little bit more emotional and everything Mm -hmm. about it was like very emotionally charged. And the woman was very, she was visibly upset and everything about it was just very emotional. So again, giving students the opportunity to see everything and then make their own opinions based on that. And at no point did I sit back and say, this is how I felt during this time. Or we talked, right. about, you know, the wall came up, of course, right? That's mm-hmm. what's going on in our, our country right now. And with that, you know, I have to really take a step back, back away from it. And I have to say, you know, well, what's, what's the evidence that's pointing us in this direction and that direction? And students, right. they get a little frustrated because like you said, yeah. Danielle, they want to know what you think. Right. But I, I just keep reminding them it's not, this is, I'm not in a, you know, a position to talk about that. And this is not our discussion today. Even as you were explaining exactly like what you had done in the classroom, it sounded to me like 
just a great opportunity to just talk about the difference between like ethos, pathos, and logos. So even if you were the kind of person who felt a little bit uncomfortable because this could be such a kind of controversial topic, what great opportunity to talk about different like rhetorical structures and rhetorical devices, just like you had with coming up with how a American news anchor had approached it versus a different news anchor. I just think that sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit about how well we can present the material, even if it's something that we don't like or don't initially feel comfortable with. And that really is a great opportunity for us to lean on others. And Mm -hmm. with that, I turn to Instagram a lot to see what other people are doing in their classroom and the way that they are interacting with certain texts. And Mm -hmm. one comes to mind, especially when you mentioned the Odyssey, Danielle, Uh thinking about what I saw on the townie teacher's Instagram story recently. She had a bunch of charts all around her room with students identifying different characters, and Mm -hmm. they had different traits that they were all identifying on their own, and then they were comparing. It was very well done. I'm sure I'm not explaining it correctly, but it was a really nicely done representation of something that who knows how she feels about it, but she used the opportunity to show off what her students are able to come up with, which I thought was really cool. Mm -hmm. And the idea that if you're struggling with that topic, first of all, there are probably a bunch of other teachers who are struggling to teach that same topic too. And it is very likely that if you really, really hate that chapter or that part of the curriculum map, you are in good company. Or it's a great time to look at people who that is their jam. They could talk about that particular text every day, all day. They wrote their senior thesis on it. It, And it's just an opportunity to kind of borrow from them and really kind of learn from each other. Because really, other teachers are such a great source of information. I love that you said that. It so reminds me of the episode that we did with Haley Kane when she talked about decoding Mm -hmm. standards and deconstructing standards. That's something that I think is probably the most anxiety-inducing of them all, is talking about looking at standards in a way that's objective and really setting those goals in your classroom and in your school. And I think we could take a lesson from Haley. I mean, she she took that from the start. She went running with it, and she didn't back away from it. She takes it on 100%. Without a doubt. I think that about wraps it up today. I think so too. So again, we think that you are going to encounter this. Um, You probably have encountered this before, even if you kind of didn't have a word or phrase or name to put to it. But in our opinion, the best way to deal with those things that you just do not want to teach for whatever reason is to start by identifying why you don't want to teach it. And from there, go into the questions about exactly what to do to address that exact concern before stepping foot in the classroom. So well said, Danielle. Well, I hope that as we move into the next marking period, we have lots of stuff we enjoy teaching <laughs> on the docket, but at least now we'll know what to do when, when the less fun stuff comes up too. So true. Great chatting with you. See you next time. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about us and the services that we offer, head to everything.com.